Welcome to Body Sculpt of New York Six Weeks to Fitness Podcast, where we hope to inform, motivate, encourage, and inspire you towards living a healthier lifestyle. And now, here's your host, the president of Body Sculpt of New York, Vince Ferguson. Hi, I'm Vince Ferguson. Welcome to Six Weeks to Fitness, episode 136. Thank you so much for tuning in. Did you know that according to the Centers for Disease Control, over 1 million pregnancies end in miscarriages or stillbirths each year? Did you also know that October is National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month? Now, Constance Jones is a San Diego native, philanthropist, author, and wife. During her prime fertility years, she experienced not one, not two, but five miscarriages. Driven by their personal grief and mission to make an impact in their local community, Constance and her husband, Claude, co-founded Elevate Foundation. The purpose of Elevate Foundation is to help rebuild communities, uplift individuals, and inspire others to do so. And joining me today on my Six Weeks of Fitness podcast to discuss how she was able to overcome the grief and dramatic experiences in her life, as well as her new book, Emerging Butterfly, is Constance Jones. Constance, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on, on your show. I'm excited to see, you know, and answer some questions about my upcoming book and my experiences. Most definitely. But now, before we discuss your new book, Let's talk a little bit about your early years uh, growing up, okay? Now, I know you grew up in San Diego, but what was your childhood like? My childhood was quite uh, dysfunctional. I grew up in a small two-bedroom apartment uh, with nine, uh, with my eight siblings and my mother and my mostly absent father. Uh, My father was an alcoholic, and he was very abusive towards my mom, so... He would live with us sometimes, and he wouldn't, yeah. And um, my mother was on welfare a majority of my um, childhood years. So um, dealing with that, having a lot of responsibility at the age of, you know, six, I was cooking, I was babysitting, you know, I was basically helping my mom to, to, to raise all of us. So I didn't really get a lot of time to be a child, Um our neighborhood um, consisted of, we lived on a hill of apartments, um, no houses in sight, and, you know, it was really was in a bad neighborhood. So, so we didn't really get to explore much of San Diego, which is so beautiful. Yes. Um, we didn't explore that a lot. You know, my mom had a car sometimes, and other times she didn't. We used public transportation often um so you know we didn't grow up having a lot um and we experienced a lot of traumatic um experiences growing up in my household wow wow that is so sad now i'm very familiar with san diego i was in the navy i was stationed in san diego you know and so i agree it's a a beautiful place so what area in san diego what was the name of the town um i was in southeast san diego southeast Southeast San Diego. So that's uh, where a majority of um, the black population lives, unless they're in middle class. And then when they're in the middle class, they're spread around, you know, to different um, neighborhoods that are well off or better off than where I grew up. But 
um, yeah, it's Southeast San Diego. You'll get, um, you know, you have all the black schools there. And um, I feel like San Diego and in, 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 in that area in particular is very segregated. Mm. Yeah, we have some Hispanic um, people of color there as well, uh, some Im- immigrants, but not a lot of like diversity in the sense of, you know, intermingling with the white people. Right now, currently today, I live um, in Encinitas, California, which oh. is, you know, 99%, you know, white. Um, so, it, yes. So it's different. If you want a different type of lifestyle here, you know, you do have to move away, unfortunately, from the, the closer-knit community because that is not available to you in that community. Wow. You experienced a series of miscarriages between the age of 26 to 34. Now, what was that, what was that like? That was, you know, really hard for me. Um, you know, my mother was very fertile, right? She had nine kids, no yes. problem, you know. <laughs> and they were, they were all an accident, right? Yes, yes. So, um, so then I'm actively trying and, um, you know, I, I can't hold a pregnancy. So, you know, the first one, I was young. I wasn't married. I was dating my living boyfriend, but, you know, it was a surprise. And we were like, uh, what do you want to do? And we are like, okay, we'll keep it. One of those types of situations. And then when, you know, we lost it very early on, probably around eight, nine weeks, when we went to the doctor, there was no heartbeat. So we were both, both disappointed. You know, I, I got sad, of course. And Yes. But that's when I was able to move past a little bit more. I was younger and the doctor said, oh, you know, it happens when four pregnancies happen like that is your first one. You know, don't worry about it. You'll be able to, you know, continue on and have a healthy baby. So a few months later, you know, we got married and we said, okay, let's try. And we tried again and again, we lost the baby. And so, I, you know, it, it just starts getting worse and worse. And my, the last time we tried um, together, uh, for our third pregnancy, I got all the way up until the 12-week phase, and that's the phase where you can start telling people about the pregnancy and yes. people getting excited, and so we finally felt, okay, we're safe this time. Let's do it. So we started telling people, and then two weeks later, I hemorrhaged at a mall of all places and was rushed to the doctor and, you know, again, lost the baby. So that was very traumatic. I didn't try to have kids, you know, for a few years after that, and that marriage was on the rocks anyway. So once all of that happened, and then because I was, I had gotten so depressed after that last one, you know, I think it just, yeah, it just kind of um, pulled my, my partner, myself apart. And um, instead of bringing us closer together, and um, I have epilepsy. I mm-hmm. have, uh, yes, um, generalized um, epilepsy. And I uh, suffer from the tonic-clonic grand mal seizures. So when I'm really stressed out or, you know, not doing well, you know, then that brings on the seizures. So that was another layer that I was dealing with when I was, you know, pregnant and in a not so great relationship. It's hard for someone, uh, for uh, me, myself, as a a man and a family man to imagine what you have been going through with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't easy because I almost blame myself for it because I felt like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my body? You know, I have epilepsy. Is it the medication that I have to take twice a day? Is that affecting, you know, 
um, my ability to hold a child, like what am I going to do about this? And then you also have the other side of because I take the medicine, is my baby going to be, you know, mentally, um, uh, just, uh, you know, mentally disabled, disabled, anything like that. Um, You know, spina bifida is common with people that are on epileptic medications, um, cleft cleft palates, you know, all kinds of things that you're at risk for. And then on top of it, because your hormones are all over the place um, and your medication is trying to keep you stable, sometimes you have to take more or you take less or whatever the case may be, and that all affects the, the baby. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. There's no way to get around that, right? So, and then I met my new husband, and, you know, we, again, in a sense where we got pregnant accidentally. Yes. And this time we're like, okay, this, this could work. This could work. Because when we first started dating, he asked me, do you want children? And I said, I don't know. This is my path with trying to have children, so I'm not sure if I want to continue down that path. But we got pregnant. We decided we're going to keep it. This pregnancy actually started to go really well, and I got all the way up to 19 weeks. But because I was, you know, close to 35, I was high risk because of the epilepsy, and I was also high risk because I had so many previous, um, you know, miscarriages. So that one, I ended up having to go get a a high risk um, ultrasound. And when I went, they looked at the baby and realized that it had hydrocephalus, or hydrocephalus, yes. Uh, hydrocephalus, yes, um, which is, you know, people know that as water on the brain or fluid in the brain, and so the, the you know, the head would be enlarged, there would have to be, you know, stunts and things and drainage and all these things um, if we were to pr- proceed with a pregnancy, and the doctor basically recommended us to do a medical termination. Um, he said, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said, you know, you could go get a second opinion, but, you know, I think you'll hear the same thing. Um, And really, it wouldn't be a good lifestyle for your child. And, you know, it wouldn't be for you either because you'd be pretty much taking care of this, you know, disabled child the rest of your life. And um, you don't know what that entails. And he tried to explain some of it. I was just like, oh, my gosh. But at the same time, you know, I really wanted my baby and I didn't want to have I didn't want to have to make the decision to do it because it's not like it just happened spontaneously. I, we had to make the decision to end, end her life. It was a little girl. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that was, that was really, really hard. Um, and then we got pregnant one, one last time and um, that one ended very early on. So at that point I said, I'm not, I'm not doing it again. And I talked to my husband about it, and he said, okay, I understand. I don't want to see you go through that again either. You know, it'll just be us two. We have a lot of family. We have a lot of nieces and nephews. We want our kids fixed. We can go, we can hang out with them. And then also, you know, we can use our resources to help other people in the community that need the help. So we are willing to give. We don't have children to give to, so we're going to give to the people that we know need help. And primarily the youth that are underserved that need, you know, just that little boost. Is it a laptop that they may need to help them, you know, get better grades in school? Is it that they need school supplies? Is it that they need some clothing? Um, Do they need to, you know, have some classes provided for them? Do they need to be connected to a mentor? You know, things like that. So we work with a multitude of nonprofits within our community 
um, that we feel strongly about and who, you know, really fall in line with our goals and our mission. And we come together and we work with them to, um, to make things happen. So we're super excited about, you know, creating Elevate and where it's gone. Um, and the main reason we did create, create it is because, you know, we took our grief and our loss and we poured it into love and are able to do uh, things for other people. So that really brings it full circle for us and we couldn't be happier with what we're able to accomplish. Mm. That is amazing. What you've been through, how important was it for you to have a supportive husband by your side? Oh, absolutely supportive. Support is so amazing. Like my husband, Claude, has been there for me. I can't even say how much that matters because, you know, for it, both parents are grieving, right, during that, during that type of um, experience, but they do it in totally different ways, right? And for a woman, because it's not just, you know, that they lost the baby, it's like, it's all physical as well, right? Because your body has gone through all these changes and you have all these hormones and, you know, so it's not only mentally, it's, it's physically, it affects everything, every part of you. So, you know, the husband, you know, he's experienced the loss and he can see you suffering, but it's a bit, it's a little, it's a little different. So, Having a husband that is there for you that, you know, takes the time to learn and listen and is patient with you while you're going through it and supports you in whatever decisions that you're making that uh, and is accepting towards, you know, you not wanting to continue to have children um, because he didn't have to, he didn't have to be okay with that. You know, he could have said, hey, I do want children, you know, either we keep trying or we adopt or do something, but, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to not have children. And some men may leave in that situation, like, you know, like he didn't do yeah. that. So he's very supportive. He loves me. He said, you know what, you're more important to me than anything else. And whether or not we have children, that doesn't change that. Yes, yes. Yeah. That is yeah. so, that is, that's wonderful. That's amazing. God bless you and your husband. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the medic, the medication, the, epile the epilepsy medication played a, a huge role in, in your inability to have children? You know, I think it did play a role um, for me, particularly. It doesn't necessarily, um, like there are women who go on and have healthy pregnancies that are on epile um, have epilepsy and are on medication. But for, for me, I think it, did, it does affect the chemistry of my body. Um, because I can't see anything else that would, and, you know, it affects every part of me. Like I, I take a high level of medication and I have to take it twice a day, every day. Um, and the baby gets that as well. So I do that. Um, I do think that that affects the actual, the fetus, but they don't, it doesn't necess necessarily give, um, give a solid reason for why I had the miscarriages. It's just it happened and it could not. They can't, you know, definitively say that that is what caused them. Right, right. But in the midst of, but in the midst of it all, you'll still manage to make have some good come out of this, you and your husband. And for that, we definitely applaud you by starting that foundation, that organization to help other um, people. And that is so important. Myself being the president of a not-for-profit, I understand the importance of giving back. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. What are some of the organizations and companies that you work with? 
through your foundation? We've worked with so many. We've worked with Feeding San Diego um, because there's so much need here in San Diego, even though it's an affluent um, place to live. Yeah. Um, if you're not uh, living an affluent life, you are struggling. Pay to, um, you know, check to check to pay your bills, um, looking for assistance anywhere you can. Like, and you'll even see people that come to um, some of like the Feeding San Diego mobile pantries. And you wouldn't tell looking at this person, you know, they're dressed nice, they look like, you know, they live a decent life, but they're there getting food because what they do make is going to, you know, cover their uh, their basic necessities and they need help. So, you know, we definitely like to help with um, Feeding San Diego because that only helps the kids, that helps the families as a whole. We partner with um, Girls Rising and they do a lot um, of work with girl, young girls who are in underserved um, communities, and they get them involved in STEM activities. They um, have mentors. So, so that's one. We also, because last year we did spend a lot of time with young girls. We worked with um, Detour, which helps young African American uh, ladies, and they. Um, have this group called Fancy, and they go out and they volunteer and they work together and have mentors as well. Um, we have worked with, gosh, uh, Trio Bite, and that's an organization that teaches young men and women um, robotics. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, the list goes on and on. We work with Ronald McDonald Foundation. Um, God knows. Yeah, we, 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 got a, we got a long list. <laughs> out there, out there. Yeah. And yeah, there's a quite, quite a few, but um, we definitely enjoy um, bringing other people out to help with us. So that's one of the things I really enjoy about Elevate is that the what we are able to give um, from our own funds, because our foundation is all our own funds that we are we're using to to um, give out and donate. We don't accept any donations at all, um, but. What, wow, what, really? Yeah, so we decided that we wanted to give, um, because we were giving the church, right, our tithes every week. But, you know, you don't always know where that money is going. What You know, it's a black box. Maybe it's a building. Maybe it's not. You know, you don't know. A majority of the time, you don't know. So we decided, hey, we still want to give, but we're going to give to organizations that we choose organizations where we're not just giving them a check, we're actually getting out there and doing the work with them, right? So if we donate to Ronald McDonald Charities, well, we're setting up a lunch with them, and we're going to go and we're going to cook and we're, you know, prep and serve and clean up after the meal and really be there during the process of what we have been provided to them. So that's the really great thing about it. And one step further, when we have helped people and they come back and help us, at another volunteer event, oh, that just touches my heart. That's the, my favorite thing to see because it just shows, like, hey, by helping someone, someone will help someone else, and that's the pay it for piece. Yes, I was going to say pay it forward. Awesome, mm -hmm. awesome. Now, you are, you're also an, a new author, which is amazing. Now, your memoir, Emerging Butterfly, will publish in January 2020. What inspired the title, and why did you feel it necessary to write this book? So um, I decided to name my book Emerging Butterfly because I feel like I am a butterfly. You know, a butterfly goes through 
quite a transition from, you know, a caterpillar to a butterfly. There And there was a story called The Butterfly Struggle that I had heard not, not too long before I started writing the book. And it talks about the process of transformation, um, you know, from caterpillar to the cocoon to emerging. And during the piece of where they're getting ready to emerge from that, that uh, cocoon, there's a lot of a lot of things happening in there, right? And it's trying right. struggling to get out. And when it finally emerges, you know, it's this beautiful, beautiful thing, and it just flies away. And that is such a testament of what you can do if you do the work inward and really have some self-reflection and you know break down all of those layers inside and create something new. Then you are too able to survive and thrive and fly. And that is what I saw when I heard that story. Like I'm that butterfly. I struggled. I had those those times in my life where I didn't know that I was gonna make it. But you know, those struggles are what helped shape me. So when I heard that story, I said, I really resonate with that because that that is me. I had to go through those struggles in order to emerge a butterfly. And so I feel like anyone who has had any challenges in their life and, you know, need need a way out, they can do it themselves as well. They just have to look within. They have to get the help that they need in order to be successful and then, you know, go fly. Wow. Is that the message that you want to convey to your readers? Yes, that is. I want them to know that, you know, no matter what you do, your past, is, it does not determine your future, you know, and your circumstances are only temporary if you strive for something else. But you have to know that you can do it. You have to put your, yourself in places where you can learn from other people, you know, be in a positive um Surround yourself with positive people so that when you do need help, when you do need advice, when, you know, you're struggling in one area, you know this person and they may be able to help you get to that next step closer to where you want to be. And at the same time, you're doing the work within, you know, why am I where, where I am? What baggage am I carrying around that, you know, I got when I was six years old or, you know, I got when I was 10 and, you know, did I not forgive this person or, and, you know, free myself? Or, you know, am I holding on to, you know, bad feelings and, and things like that? You have to do the work inward um, in order to be able to let those things go so that when your time does come for you to break out, you're, you're free. Oh, most definitely. Beautiful. Very well put. Now, where can my listeners uh, purchase the book? Where and when? So my book is to be released, uh, like you said, in January. It's actually going to be January 1st, uh, sorry, January 30th, um, 30th. Yeah, January 30th, 2020. And uh, they can get, they can, uh, they can buy a pre-sold version on my website, theemergingbutterfly.com. Um, they can also visit my, uh, my website, Constance G. Jones at gmail.com and just to learn a little bit more about me. And and then we also have elevate.foundation if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing um, in our philanthropic, uh, philanthropy work. Excellent. Can they follow you on social media? Yes, and that as well. I um, am on Instagram at uh, Constance G. Jones on Instagram and on Facebook 
I'm at I am constant. Mm, I am constant. Yes. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> now, I, I know October is National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Uh, just tell my listeners briefly uh, what this is all about, how, is, how it got started. So, in 1988, uh, President Ronald Reagan um, came up with uh, National Infant uh, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Month. He said that, you know, when parents have children who die, there's no word for that, that, right? So, if your spouse dies, they are a widow, right, or a widower. Yes. You know, if a parent dies, then, you know, the kid's an orphan. But when a parent loses its children, there's no word to describe that. And so he wanted to make it, make people aware that this is something that needs to be recognized, that people going through these things need support, and just bring awareness because there's things that people don't talk about. It's almost as if, you know, miscarriages, women are ashamed to even say that they've had one. It's like this dark secret they feel they can't they can't express to anyone and so then they don't get the support that they need and you know that can really be a slippery slope to depression and keep you there for quite some time unless you have a good support system and I think by um, making this month of awareness um, it not only educates us women that have been in the situation to where they had losses but it also educates other in the community, in the world, that um, that this is happening, and how often it happens, and how can you help other women that you that you know that have gone through this or are in the process of going through this? How do you how do you help them? You know, is it listening to them? Is it you know calling the baby by the name that they gave that baby? You know, just to let them know that yes, we understand it was a person. You know, not just the baby or the pregnancy. You know, a lot of people have named their baby. So, you know, you can talk about them with their name. You can say, you know, I'm sorry that this happened to you. What can I do for you? Sometimes it's just, just listen and be here for me. You know, um, and then what not to say, you know, uh, oh, you know, it was God's, you know, God's plan or, you know, me, oh, you'll have another one or, you know, all those words right. that people think are very helpful. They're, they're very yes. hurtful when you're going through something like that because it's not like I'm not worried about, you know, this is being God's plan or I can have another. I wanted this one. Wow. Mm -hmm. Do you, are, are you doing any speaking, um, you know, in front of audiences about what you went through? I think you have a, I think you have a very po powerful message. Oh, thank you. Um, I am starting uh, that journey for myself. Um, most recently, I will be doing um, a talk at the Walk to Remember, which is in about two weeks, and um, basically all the women in San Diego that have gone through loss, uh, our parents and family members, um, we will all be meeting up at a, a local park. There's supposed to be over 500 people, and I'm going to be one of the speakers um, just talking a little bit about my experience um, for that. And then I have, um, let's see, I have Get Shit Done Summit coming up next month as well. And so um, I'll be working on that. And I'll be talking about the power of giving there. Wow. The power of giving. Awesome. I love that. I love it. I love it. 
Now, la- lastly, I want to ask you. I read. I read that you are a vegan. Yes. What inspired that yes. life? That lifestyle choice. Um. You know. Okay. So growing up, we didn't eat a lot of red meat. It was very rare. My mom was not into it. My father, he when he was around, he was at, of the mind that you know meat is wrong. Almost, almost taking the. I don't know, the, the Muslim culture uh, in regards to meat where, you know, there's no pork, you know, there's no beef, any of that. So, yeah. so we didn't eat that um, unless we were out somewhere else. And I never liked it myself. So that was really easy for me to give up. It's nothing that I really wanted anyway. And then I would eat chicken and fish, but I, chicken kind of grossed me out. Fish is sometimes. It just wasn't my thing. I didn't like c- cooking or touching it or anything. And I always gravitated to more of the vegetarian lifestyle. But, you know, once I, I learned about how the animals were treated and also the impact that it's making on our environment, I decided, you know, I'm going to take it one step further and, and become a vegan. And so the transition was a little rocky in the sense of, you know, when you buy things that are prepackaged, um, like bread or whatever it is, you know, uh, pasta noodles, things like that, I find myself having to look on the back of cartons all the time because you don't know what's in there. It could be something that you you would think, why would they add that? But it would be there, whether it's, you know, milk powder or eggs or whatever the case may be. So it's just the you have to be more aware of what you're eating. You go out, you have to ask them, is that made in chicken stuff or is that made in, you know? And it, it just gets a little bit complicated, but um, that's why I eat out, uh, eat home as often as I can or unless I'm going to somewhere I know specifically has foods that uh, cater towards vegan um, veganism. But, yeah, I just didn't like the way it it was hurting the animals and the environment, you know. I have a dog. I couldn't imagine eating her. <laughs> so, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Wow. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have any any other uh, comments? Anything else you want to share with my listeners before I let you go? Um, Just that, you know, support for people who are going through any type of loss is very important, even if the person seems like they've got it all together and, you know, they don't. And just being there for them, letting them know that you're available to help any way that they need, um, that's, that's big. And then, you know, for the women that are going through this and aren't able to talk to people about it because you haven't necessarily, you know, come to terms with it and accepted it. You may still be in that, you know, the shock phase and, and all the emotions that you're going through. Um, you know, try therapy. I, I went to therapy and that helped tremendously. My, my husband and I, we went to therapy together for a few months and then um, I continued on my own until I was ready to let go. But it took a while. So I had friends, I had families, but I also sought out, um, you know, help because it's part of mental health, too. And you want to make sure that you are healthy. Most definitely. Oh, so, so true. Constance Jones, on behalf of Bodyscope of New York and Six Weeks of Fitness, I truly want to thank you for coming on my show today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our talk. And I'd be happy to come back again. 
Excellent. Excellent. I'd love to have you. And to my listeners, I truly hope this program was informative, encouraging, and inspiring, and that you will continue tuning in to our Six Weeks of Fitness podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the show, please leave them on my Six Weeks of Fitness blog at www.sixweeksoffitness.com or email me at vince at sixweeks.com. Take care. Bye-bye.